dogs in. Can I interest you in a mount weasel? What's better than a stress ball? And you need your Wendy's order to feel more like fall. Get the answers to these questions and more on this episode of Knickknack News, a news podcast featuring exciting tech breakthroughs, scientific discoveries, and fun, uplifting news stories without the political drama. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story this week is dog news. Okay, this is from BBC.com. And the headline is, Dogs Perform Mozart with Orchestra in Denmark. Feels like they should have performed Beethoven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Um, so, <laughs> I, I love this story so much. A classical music festival in Copenhagen, Denmark, has opened with some canine additions to the orchestra. Um, there's footage of the rehearsal that BBC has, and it shows three dogs participating in the performance of the Hunting Symphony. A little-known piece by Mozart's father, Leopold. Oh. <laughs> I know. I so it's a it. different Mozart. It is, yes. Um, so <laughs> Chief conductor Adam Fisher, who auditioned dozens of dogs for this role, <laughs> said he was actually honoring the composer's wish that a part of the symphony should be accompanied by baying hounds. Okay. So, basically, like, okay, so this piece was written, it was supposed to be, like, symbolizing, like, a, like, a hunt Uh with dogs. Yeah. And, like, the composer actually wrote notes that, like, there should be hounds noises, like, it, as part of the music. As part of the music. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so they were like, let's actually make that actually happen. So they got three dogs named Cookie, Sophus, and Sika. And these dogs went through three months of training so that they would bark properly on command and also remain quiet for the other parts of the performance where they weren't supposed to bark. That's, that's a big ask. I know, right? And they did it. Yeah, they had the three dogs, and they were like, they barked when they were supposed to. and Good job, stopped dogs. And yeah, they did it. Good job. Who's a good orchestra member <laughs> <laughs> and i there was a video um but i just i took a picture of the video but this is this was like a still from that of just like <laughs> they had um their owners i guess or trainers or whoever just like with them on the stage yeah and it was like they were like <laughs> they were like instructing them to bark Duffing, while it goes all this orchestra is yeah. like playing and then and then they stopped at certain point yeah it was that's impressive it was really interesting yeah I thought it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) My first story is dictionary news. This is appropriately from dictionary.com. Yes. And they said, new words drop. Get the first look at our fall 2023 collection of dictionary editions. So apparently they do word drops periodically. Okay. And this is the fall 2023 one. Um... They say this update in particular captures complicated technical jargon that artificial intelligence has catapulted into our awareness, oh. uh, intriguing loan words from languages around the world. Though the three that they gave examples of, I'd never heard before, so I left them out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then fun Insta ads to your vocabulary for things you didn't know there were words for. 
I have a couple of those. I've never heard the term Insta ad, but mm. okay. Um, and uh, there's a total of 566 new entries, 348 new definitions for existing entries, and 2,256 revised definitions. So it's a pretty big update from the sound of it. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to go through some of the words because I thought they were fun. I am very intrigued. So we're going to go through all 566 starting now. <laughs> no, that's um, too many. <laughs> just, yeah, I have a lot, but I don't have that many. Okay. Okay. Um, so the first one was John, J-A-W-N. Are you familiar with the term John? No. So it is a noun, informal, chiefly Philadelphia. <laughs> There's, you know how every dictionary definition has like in italics, like just attributes of the word? Yeah, is yeah. Chiefly Philadelphia is chiefly one of them. Chiefly Philadelphia. Um, so the word's definition is something or someone for which the speaker does not know or does not need a specific name. So this is like a slang term in Philadelphia that I've heard before. I used, one of the people who lived on my floor freshman year of college would use this because he was from Philly. Oh. It was just, they would say like, look at that John over there. Like, it's just like referring to a thing, basically. So is it a like a person or no? Can not be an like object? not like the name John. It can. It's usually a. I think it's usually an object, or it could also be a person. I guess, but it's just like an inspecific, an unspecific thing. Like, like you could say like that thing over there, but instead of saying thing, that you thing would say John, John. Yeah. To indicate that you don't really know what it is, or, I guess, or is it more like that you just don't care. need to? <laughs> yeah, like you don't. Yeah. you don't I think care that is, or feel the like, need to like say it's, what it is. It's not important. It's just you're pointing at something, and it's just like, oh, look at that. To John. Oh, okay. No, I haven't heard I'm that. I'm probably using it that's wrong. Really but, <laughs> I um, actually love learning about like dialect things in the U.S. Yeah, that's so a very specific, cool. like it's really specific to Philadelphia <laughs> and like the surrounding area apparently. Um, they had Nepo Baby, which I'm sure you've heard. Yeah. Noun, a celebrity with a parent who is also famous, especially one whose industry connections are perceived as essential to their success. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Blur's Day. Okay, I, I don't know that one. <laughs> a noun, informal, a day not equal... Easily distinguished from other days or the phenomenon of days running together. So you can use <laughs> Blur's Day if it's just like, uh, what day is it? Blur's Day. <laughs> I don't know. Or like, today just feels like a Blur's feels Day. Feels like a Blur's Day. Hmm, the, all right. <laughs> this next one. I'd never heard this before. Shower orange. Noun. An orange that is peeled and eaten under a steamy shower. The, pur- <laughs> the purported benefit being that the steam enhances the, cit- the orange's citrusy fang- fragrance and creates a soothing experience for the person who is showering. Never heard of a <laughs> of shower orange. I've heard of a I've shower, of a shower beer, beer. <laughs> which they also mentioned, like, as they had, like, some, some of these words had, like, notes next to them. And that was one of the ones where they mentioned, like, you might have heard of a shower beer. I was like, yeah, I've heard of that. I yeah. haven't heard of a shower orange. Shower orange. Okay, I could see, like, it makes it citrusy in the shower, like a nice scent, a sensation. I yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not a big orange know. fan as it is, so I'm probably yeah. not going to try a shower orange. But if you do, let us know. Okay. Um, so now we're getting into some of the AI terms. Generative okay. AI, which okay. I know we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Noun computers. Artificial intelligence that is designed to process prompts from users and respond with text, images, audio, or other output that is modeled on a trained data set mm-hmm. or a training data set. So, yeah, generative AI, the stuff that makes that weird art, for example. Yep. Uh, GPT, which I did not realize what that, I, I didn't know what that actually stood for. So they say it's an abbreviation, uh, generative pre-trained transformer. Oh. Is what that stands for. I didn't realize, I thought it was just the name of ChatGPT. I- Actually, didn't know that either. So, oh. but yeah, it's a type of machine learning algorithm that uses deep learning and a large database of training text in order to generate new text in response to a us- user's prompt. So, yeah, 
Um, they also defined hallucinate in the AI sense, which is um, to produce false information contrary to the intent of the user and present it as if true and factual. Have you heard oh. of this phenomenon at all? It's like, they no. refer, but they refer to it as like a, a computer or the, the AI hallucinating by basically being like, acting like something is presenting is true, but it's false. Yeah. And like a lot of times they don't know why it does this, which is like kind of concerning. <laughs> I thought that that was just like, it was just wrong, but just the way that it talks about things, like it's always, it always talks about things as if they're true. That's also, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not really, maybe that's what they're referring to, but it's like, why is it presenting this false information as fact, as opposed to like, I don't know, like, Saying like I think this, I think or, yeah, or, just or like giving less... it some context or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. but this is yeah. It's huh. apparently a trend in AI is that some some things have been hallucinating. Hmm. Um, LLM, large language model, a type of machine learning algorithm trained on extremely large sets of data or large data sets of existing language and designed to generate new naturalistic responses to prompts. Um, so. Those are the those are the tech ones, and then now we're getting into the ones that I thought were just fun. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. the first one is pessimize, which is a verb to make less good, efficient, fast, <laughs> functional, etc. Especially in the context of computers or information technology, so like deliberately making something worse, essentially. So pessimize okay. as opposed to optimize. Um, oh yes, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, decision fatigue. That one's not oh, fun. I know it's that. just one that I'm I'm kind of surprised it wasn't in the dictionary already. Yeah. Um, mental and emotional exhaustion resulting from excessive or relentless decision making, uh, especially the cumulative effect of small decision decisions that one makes throughout each day. Yeah, I get yep. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked this one, Sonder. It's a noun, and it describes the feeling one has on realizing that every other individual uh, person see or every other individual one sees has a life as full and real as one's own in which they are the central character and others, including oneself have secondary or insignificant roles. Have you ever had this before where you're just like walking down the street and you like, like just have the realizations like, Oh, that person, like for them, they're the like main character of their lives. And I'm just like somebody they happen to be passing on the street. I have thought about that in like, like when I'm driving, if I'm like in a high traffic area, I've thought about like, oh, everyone in the car around me has a like, unique experience. Has a unique like, <laughs> they're just going about their life and they're passing by me in the car right now. Like, yeah, I've I've thought of that before. Yeah. Sonder. That's Sonder. the word for that concept, I guess. Okay, interesting. Um, I like this one, Mount Weasel. <laughs> it's a it's a noun, um, and it, and I also just like the concept of it. It's a, a decoy entry in a reference work, such as a dictionary or encyclopedia, that's secretly planted among the genuine entries to catch other publishers in the act of copying content. So basically, like, putting a fake definition on de- dictionary.com, for example, and, like, if you see it pop up on another site that, like, purports to be their own dictionary, like, you you know that they copied your information. Nice. And they said, a, as a side note to this one, yes, we've got some, no, we're not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> Um, That's awesome. uh, Paraprostokian, which is a noun, which refers to a sentence or expression in which the second part provides an unexpected resolution or contrast to the first part, as in, I'd like to see you again, but I've lost my glasses. Does that make sense? (laughs) Is that a good example? um, What's the word again? 
how does para it? Para-presdokian. Para-presdokian. Mm-hmm. Refers to the sentence itself. So, so it's like, I'd like to see you again, but I've lost my glasses. It's where, so, like, the second part the second of the part sentence is, is like a twist. The second part is not what you to come, yeah. But yeah, okay. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. It's, I feel like it's too much of a word for what it represents, but... <laughs> um, unsee, verb, used with an object... To remove something seen from one's memory or conscious awareness. <laughs> that wasn't in the dictionary already. <laughs> to forget or ignore images or the like. I think this is in particular like, well, I can't unsee that, like, in, ref- in like, reference to that. But, yeah, yeah, it wasn't in there before. And finally, unfalsifiable, which is an adjective describing something that is not able to be proven false and therefore not scientific. So, unfalsifiable. Okay, okay. It doesn't just refer to something that can't be falsified. It refers to something that can't be that proven. That can't be proven false. Can't be proven false, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So that's all the words I brought, but there's lots and cool. lots in this, in this update. I just think words are fun. And I didn't know a lot of those. Yeah, most of those I hadn't even heard of. I'm just particularly fond of Mount Weasel. Mount Weasel is great. And just like the idea of it in general, I think is it just like, ha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's That's fun. great. <laughs> Okay, my next story is science news. This is from sciencealert.com. And the headline is, This shape-shifting ball could reduce anxiety by 75%. Wow, that's a large percent. It is. A smart relaxation ball designed to help... I don't know why I found this story so funny. It's not... (laughs) (laughs) It's probably just me. A smart, a smart relaxation ball designed to help, quote, personify breath could help to significantly reduce anxiety, according to a new study. Okay, they, they keep calling it a shape-shifting ball, but it's, it's, a, it's a ball that, like, expands and contracts. It looks like a, it's like a soft, it's basically like a stress ball, but it gets, like, bigger and, and smaller. Okay. With your breathing. So it's, like, acting like breathe, yeah, mm-hmm. like a breath. Okay. Yeah. So the ball is called a physical artifact for well-being support, or PAWS for short. Okay. And and it's the invention of computer scientist Alex Farrell from the University of Bath in the UK. As users breathe in and out, the ball expands and contracts, providing its handler with... A tangible representation of their breathing to help focus their mind and regulate their emotions. So, okay, so Farrell says, quote, By giving breath physical form, the ball enhances self-awareness and engagement, fostering positive mental health outcomes. It gives personalized and engaging experience and is accessible to everyone. Okay? Okay. Sounds pretty good. Uh Um, (laughs) Reacting to my own story. (laughs) So in tests involving 58 volunteers, participants reported benefits from being able to see and feel their breathing in physical form when the use of the ball was combined with an audio track from a meditation app. And the team from the university saw an average of 75% reduction in anxiety across the participants. This article did not mention how that was measured. I was going to say, what is the quantitative measurement? They didn't say. They just, it probably was like a scale... They were probably were yeah. like rating on a scale, like how anxious do you feel right now on a scale of one to 10 or whatever they did. Yeah. And then they asked them before and after the experience. I bet. If That's I had to guess. Probably, yeah. Um, so yeah. So the partic- participants that use this ball that was like doing breathing and 
along with a meditation track, mm-hmm. those that group is the one that saw the average 75% reduction in anxiety okay. as measured. They also had a 56% increase in protection against worry-inducing thoughts. So, like, they weren't getting <laughs> new thoughts coming into their minds okay. about worries. That makes I sense. I, I feel like sometimes if I focus on my breath, I can also stop, like... Like, if I'm trying to fall asleep or something and I don't want to, like, and my brain's rushing, I can sometimes just think about breathing. Yeah, so um, I didn't go into all this detail in my notes, but in the article it was saying that, like, part of the background of this study was that that is a commonly used technique for reducing anxiety is just to, like, think about your breathing. Mm. But it's hard for people to stay focused on that. And if you start, like, losing focus and get distracted, then it doesn't work as well. Like, you have to be really focused. Right. And so what they were trying to test here is, like, does the use of this physical object help you actually stay focused on it? And Makes that's sense. basically yeah. what they found was it did. So it actually, like, made the breathing work <laughs> because the people were focused versus, like, you get distracted if you're just sitting there breathing. Okay. So that made I, sense I need to me. one then. Yeah, I'm like, I need one too. Can I t- <laughs> Maybe I can just do it with a regular stress ball, you know, just, like. Just imagine that it's breathing. Just imagine it's. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not thinking about my breathing. I'm thinking about this ball breathing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they had a group to compare to in the study that only listened to the audio of that was like supposed to be walking them through this breathing exercise without the ball. Okay. And those people only had a 31% reduction in anxiety on average instead of the 75. Gotta, so you gotta, that was there. Got to get that ball. Got to get the ball. That was there. <laughs> That was her evidence that you need the ball. The ball was helping. Um, so, yeah. So this research was presented at a conference recently, um, actually, on human factors and computing systems. Um, it, what, it hasn't been published yet in, like, a full – as, like, a full um, paper in a journal. But, yeah. But, yeah. I thought that was interesting because I could probably use yeah. that. No, that sounds, that sounds <laughs> so, pretty useful. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know. I started reading this and I was just kind of laughing for some reason because it's just the way that they were talking about it just made me kind of, they, they call it pause. Yeah, like, they had some interesting choices of language there. Also, I take, I take umbrage with the, like, using P in that acronym, even though that stands for physical. Something about that, something about that doesn't work for me. Physical artifact for well-being support. Fause. <laughs> Pause. The fog. I said it in a British accent because it's yeah. from the UK, so mm. that's why I did that. <laughs> Even if you don't have the, they had this whole setup where the, the thing was actually synchronized to the person's breathing, so it would like automatically like go in and out. Oh wow! While you were breathing, uh huh. We're not all going to have access to that right away, right? But yeah, if you have a stress ball at home, you could just simulate this with yeah. the stress ball. So it's much you can cheaper, do this at I'm home. Sure. Yeah. I think it's cool. My next story is Frosty News. This is from CNN, and the headline is, Wendy's newest Frosty tastes like a fan-favorite flavor. Can you guess what that flavor is? Um, I'm guessing it's not vanilla or chocolate. Correct. Because <laughs> that's always not have new. <laughs> Is it like a shamrock shake kind of thing? No. I don't you're... know why that would... Is it pumpkin spice? It's pumpkin spice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would get there. <laughs> why did I guess shamrock shake? It's not March. <laughs> you're on the right track, though, with a seasonal flavor. 
Um, so for the first time, Wendy's is adding a pumpkin spice flavored frosty to its menus for a limited time beginning September 12th. Uh, in a press release, Wendy's said the new flavor, quote, merges the same creamy, delectable texture Frosty fans know and love with hints of pumpkin and a blend of warm spices like cinnamon and nutmeg for a taste of familiar fall flavors in every bite. That sounds good. Alex is getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> you um, can't see me, but I'm like shimmying in my chair. Yeah. Jane, um, dancing. <laughs> uh, ever, ever since Starbucks's uh, pumpkin, pumpkin spice latte became an autumnal mainstay, dozens of other food products, from pumpkin spice Oreos to jelly beans, hot chocolate mix, and cream cheese, have crammed into the market. I think we've probably talked about like half of those on this podcast <laughs> at this point. Um, Wendy's has found success in experimenting with its frosty flavors. Pumpkin spice becomes the frosty's sixth ever flavor joining the limited time edition ranks of peppermint, strawberry, and birthday cake, which apparently happened at some point. Hmm. Though I never had any of those. I think I've only ever had a chocolate frosty before. I've only ever had vanilla. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> between the two of us, we've got the main flavors color. Yep. Uh, yeah, the next thing I had written down is usually Wendy's only sells chocolate and vanilla yeah, versions. that's why I, I asked that at the beginning, because I was like, wait, they always have chocolate and vanilla, right? Yeah, chocolate and vanilla are the ones they always have. Okay. Um, and they said, also for a limited time this year, Wendy's is adding a pumpkin spice-flavored cold brew coffee drink, which uses the same syrup as the pumpkin spice frosty, which is interesting, because I've never really thought of Wendy's as, like, a coffee establishment, but... I have not either. Do they do breakfast? <sighs> Wait a minute, they do breakfast at Wendy's? I've I never no had idea. breakfast I've at definitely Wendy's. never had it if they do. <sighs> They probably do sell coffee, though, because, like, I feel like all the fast food places have to sell coffee because there's too much of a demand for it from, like, just everyone. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be able to walk into a fast food place and demand a coffee. (laughs) They must be able to comply. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy's among, Wendy's included. I mean, no. Walk into Chipotle and say, I'd like a coffee, please. I'd like a coffee. (laughs) Yeah, wait, does Chipotle Chipotle does not have coffee. (laughs) Does Taco Bell have coffee? I don't think so. But they do breakfast. They do breakfast, but maybe they do have coffee then. I don't know. I don't know. I've also never had Taco Bell breakfast. I haven't either. So. Even though we talked about it on the podcast, I think. This is so true. <laughs> we never had it. Yeah. We should do that at some point. Yeah. Just to try it. Yeah, just to try it. Anyway, I don't know if Wendy's has... I didn't know that Wendy's had coffee. Yeah. I didn't either. But now uh, they do. I guess they do. For okay. sure. They right. definitely have this cup of cold drink. Okay. That one I know for sure. Cool. I'm more interested in the Frosty, though. I, I, I do either. I'm more of a coffee person than you, so. Yeah, I do. True. Pumpkin spice and, like, pumpkin cream cold brew is, like, really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. If you want to share a story with us about pumpkin-flavored stuff or anything else, you can send us an email at nicknacknews at gmail.com. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.